And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Previously on About Them Cowboys. Who's a free agent coming out of Atlanta? You know, who are the guys yeah. that Dan Keanu Quinn's going to bring? Keanu Neal, safety. He was 2016, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he is Plus. a free agent. Yep, yeah. there you go. Expect him to be a um, cowboy next next season. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he, that sucks that's for Donovan easiest, Wilson. Those, those easy um, things. I mean, you know Keanu Neal was literally named after Keanu Reeves, by the way. Really? No. Yeah. No joke. Are you being serious? I'm not. I'm being serious. I was at you, the Combine hey, in 2016. You, ser- you serious, Clark? And I, I was uh, listening to him talk, and that, that was uh, he was sitting at one of those small tables because no one knew who he was, you know? <laughs> I can see why you would remember that. That is pretty, <laughs> that is pretty interesting. Keanu Neal. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them cowboys? How about them cowboys? All right, there it is, just like that. We use our magic eight ball of the athletic to uh, predict some free agency movement for the Dallas Cowboys. It looks like, at this point, they're just going to bring in the entire former Atlanta Falcons backfield. We'll see how that goes. we got a lot to talk about on this episode. The Cowboys bringing in Keanu, the Matrix. Neil, will that work out? Will he bullet time some interceptions? We'll talk about that. We'll get some draft talk interwoven into that. And also, Mike McCarthy took the podium for the first time in a long time. And our own Father John Mishota was there. So we'll talk about that as well. So welcome into About Them Cowboys. Kent Garrison here producing. And welcoming in the Brass Brothers of all things Dallas Cowboys. Kevin KT Turner and our own Father John Mishota. Guys, welcome back in. And uh, I guess we'll just summarize the week here before our um, before our listeners go, you know, Snyder Cut and NFT their weekends away. Well, we've got... I guess four days, four or five days or so to, to recap of, of Cowboys news coverage, all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot to talk about. Absolutely. There isn't. First of all, I really appreciate the, the continuing the Bash Brothers reference as yesterday was the 27 year anniversary of D2, the Mighty Ducks, uh, which to me was the best movie of that trilogy. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. We should probably start. With, uh, I think, uh, some of the free agent signings and, and also re-signings. Uh, let's start with a little combo platter here for John. Uh, Dan Quinn and the Cowboys bringing back a couple of his old Falcons players. Keanu Neal and the free safety, DeMonte, is it Kazi or is it Kazi? I don't know. I think it might even be Kazi. It could be Kazi. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's never real clear on that. I've never been clear on that for forever, although I could look up a pronunciation from the Dane Brugler draft guide. of. Hey, does anything about you know KZ was. stand out to you, that like Cowboys-wise, that you remember? Uh, the time that Zeke trucked him? <laughs> yes, I was wondering, yeah. I was <laughs> oh, like, that was him, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. I was like, is that, that the play that tore his Achilles? Or like, what, oh, yeah. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about this. We've talked about this, I feel like, the last few years that when you're not going to be a big spender in free agency and you bring in new members to your coaching staff, you're probably going to lean towards the guys that that previous coach coached. He knows their background. I mean, 
even with the other safety, the, the J. Ron Curse, you know, they have George Edwards on staff that worked with him in Minnesota. So it makes sense to add a guy like that because you've seen what he could potentially uh, be in certain situations. Now, I knew when they signed Curse, that wasn't necessarily that was going to be done at safety, that they still were interested in, in Kazee and they were still interested in Malik Hooker. But uh, Kazee is the guy they went with who, like Hooker, those two guys both coming off Achilles injuries, as you mentioned uh, last year. So there's obviously some health checks you have to do there because I don't think either one was going to sign more than a one-year deal to kind of get back to free agency next year, which is the case with Neil Kazee cursed. I mean, that's just what they did one year deals. And so, um, all three of them are interesting. I would say that the most intriguing is Keanu Neal, just because I think he was going to make the most significant impact. Uh, you know, in, in talking with Mike McCarthy yesterday, he was asked specifically what position group is, is Neil going to start working with? And he said the linebackers. So, I would think you can pencil him in there for the weak side and, and then also an ability to play safety and be down in the box, obviously with how much they're going to be in, in nickel and dime, like all NFL teams are, but he just seems like he's multiple enough that he can do a lot of different things and that should help a defense that needs a lot of help. And so Neil is the most interesting of those additions, but I will say when, when Kazi has been healthy, he had a, he had a seven interception season. Yeah, so he's had 10 interceptions in the previous two seasons, not counting this last year because he only played four with the Achilles injury. So if he's healthy, that appears to be the type of guy that you want is kind of your ball hawking guy in the back end. I, I will say this, um, you know, when I saw that they were bringing all those safeties in, I, I started looking back at some college stuff and I, and I wanted to see what the uh, what the guys in the uh, green room were saying about Malik Hooker after he was drafted. Uh, I think 15th overall by the Colts. And it, it was, you know, you know how those draft, the recaps go, like right when the guys picked, usually it's very positive stuff. Man, John Gruden got on there and just went to work on Malik Hooker. Zeroing really? in on, oh, yes, yeah, just zeroing in on how bad of a tackler he was in one-on-one situations. Like they started out with the highlight package of him making a lot of nice plays, like a lot of nice interceptions, deep ball. Like, And I'm watching that, I'm like, this is the exact type of center fielder you'd want on the back end of this cover three that Dan Quinn's running. And then you get to Gruden and Gruden is just going on and on about how like, and then they're just highlighting one missed tackle after another of Malik Hooker coming up in the box, trying to like, you know, bring down a Michigan running back and things like that. And then before they cut to commercial, I, I can't remember who asked him, but they were basically asked John Gruden, like, do you think this is something that can be coached up in a guy once he gets the NFL? And Gruden was real hesitant about that. Like, it was just because here's the thing, like, Hooker is a basketball player that really, when he went to Ohio State, they turned him into a football player. So it's like, watching some of that stuff, I was kind of like, because Hooker, for me, I think much like you, that was the guy that I was like, well, it's the most name recognition. That'll, that'll, hey, that'll get the most page views and also bring the most excitement going into next year. But let's not act like any of these guys are going to be a really clean prospect that like this was gonna be perfect you got the answer plug him in like like if let's say they got maybe justin simmons or some with what the cowboys are willing to spend all these all these situations are fluid yeah no and it's with hooker his range was so spectacular that it was like you know an achilles injury like yeah it could prevent that and with Kazee or Kazi, yeah, I'm gonna call him Demonte. Um, that's a lot easier until we find call out. Him <laughs> call him Kazi. Call him Kazi, so we can call him Crazy Kazi. Crazy Kazi. Um, so with Kazi, um, what's interesting about that is still 29, right, or 28, maybe going into his 29 uh, year. Um, but like 
still, the idea that they just spent on a free safety, no matter how much it is, if it's just a little bit of money, I still like that. Now, Jaron Curse does reek of just special teams guy and, you know, fill in and help. I, I don't know if Jaron Curse makes the team. Um, but no, but, no, but I'm with you, though, KT. That The focus on safety is intriguing to me. One-year deals. So that means if you can carry that interest over to the draft, maybe we finally see it where, yeah. you know, they blow us away and they take a safety in the second round or, or, I mean, maybe even a third, which they've done with J.J. Wilcox. But, you know, maybe maybe there is going to be a little bit more interest in the safety position than we've seen in years past. And I feel like it's not just us. The majority of Cowboys fans have been calling this for this for a long yes. time, not just because it's been a position that they've by far put the least amount of investments in over the last decade, but just the fact the way the game's changing and being more spread teams out and, and throw the ball all over the field. It seems like in a cover three playing your center fielder position, you want a guy that can make plays on the ball. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, and like, Maybe the red light has come on and they're like, you know what? That's it. Now we're, we're finally going to take a little bit of interest, but we're not going to dive all the way in yet because we do want to draft one better. I like your thinking there. I really do. With Keanu Neal, you immediately think injured guy because of the two prior years. But last year he started 14 games. Like he played a lot. You you kind of, I kind of feel like you know what you're getting a little bit more with Keanu Neal than you do with Casey. Um, Keanu Neal, I mean, they, like, they're signing to play the linebacker, strong safety, whatever. Majority of the time, they're going to be in a 4-2-5, um, you know, most, most of the time anyway. So, like, so what does it mean for Jalen Smith? Hopefully it means Jalen Smith comes off the field. And and there's another, <laughs> like, blinking light. Did that go, hey, we've got to get Jalen off the field on some of these downs? And maybe that's the type of thing. Because, you know, Keanu Neal is going to move a little bit better than Jalen does. But then why so, not just release him? Well, you know. Sometimes you get like dollars you know, and cents endorsements uh, and John the whole thing. And, you know, maybe there's a belief that we can get him back to two years ago. I don't necessarily think that, but maybe they do. Uh, but, you know, that's the whole thing about with Cowboys stuff is you never know, like the decision makers. There's kind of like a lot of decision makers, <laughs> you know, you never know, like who's leading the charge on this decision. Oh, that's a Jerry-driven decision. That's a Steven-driven decision. That's a McClay-driven decision. That's a Dan Quinn. Like, that's where it gets weird. But one thing I'll say about free agents is we could sit here and, like, talk about grading free agent signings and stuff. It doesn't matter. You know, we felt good about Gerald McCoy, right? And then he gets hurt. We felt good about Don Terry Poe, and he showed up overweight, and, you know, it fell off a cliff. You feel good about those things until they, they prove it. It's hard to know. But I do say, I will say that for the most part, I like the direction they went. A, a person I really like is Jordan Lewis. And I got to say that I don't quite understand their contract with Jordan Lewis and why they thought that was a good idea, unless they're going to dabble with moving him to free safety. And, you know, dabble is the wrong word to use. Unless they're going to put him at free safety and say, go in the job. Otherwise, I don't really understand that signing when there were guys in the market who, quite frankly, are better cornerbacks. Now, Again, the Cal Fuller thing came later, right? And Cal Fuller was cheap, and Cal Fuller was always going to play for Vic Fangio anyways. You know, whatever you want to say, Kevin King at $6 million for one year is a bargain. And I know everyone saw the NFC Championship game, but Kevin King is a good player when he plays. And the Cowboys had interest in him years ago. And that I think that was the 2017 draft. That was the Taco draft, I believe. The Cowboys had interest in him. So, like, to give Jordan Lewis four and a half a year... I know there's some contract outs and things like that. 
you know, to give him four and a half a year for a guy not like Jordan, but Jordan is not covered as well as he was bargained for, right? Well, maybe so, like, they think maybe they think that he'll also get moved down the pecking order because I think it's pretty clear they're not done at corner. So yeah. if you just look at it from the perspective of them feeling pretty confident of, we'll just throw in Patrick Sertan and just say that it works out and he gets it 10. Then you got Sertan on one side, Diggs on the other, and then Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis. And it's like, you're not counting on Jordan Lewis to be your number two or even number yeah. three corner. He kind of can go down the depth chart and you feel confident about where that deal's at. And you probably think that, hey, if we just do him to a one-year one deal and he just plays, he's solid. Let's say he gets a few sacks like we've seen him do, and, and he's a little bit better in coverage. Well, he's going to free agency next year and getting even more money than that. So they, they probably they probably feel real comfortable with the player behind the scenes. And and I'm sure Dan Quinn liked, liked some things he saw on tape and probably saw some ways he can use him in a variety of different things. As you mentioned, also possibly is playing some safety. Yeah, I guess I... So let's say uh, so it's Anthony Brown and uh, Jordan Lewis fighting for cornerback three. Let's let's just sure. go out on a legend. Assume it's Patrick Sertan or uh, let's say J.C. Horn. Whatever. I mean, I feel like even if it's a second round guy, I feel like you can pen- pencil yeah. that guy in for the other starting spot. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I agree. Four and a half million. Wouldn't you rather throw that money at? Wouldn't you rather wait? I guess is what I'm saying, and maybe throw that money at. Now we've seen Jerron Reed, the Seattle Seahawks. They've released their defensive tackle. You know, looking, you had a good tweet. Just kind of here's, as of right now, how you could project the Cowboys starting lineups, offensive defense. And I immediately circled defensive uh, defensive tackles. And went, Absolutely. Well, those guys better prove themselves. And that really stands out. It's a shame there's not any, like, big-time defensive tackles that you could take at pick 10. You could make the argument that defensive tackle and probably safety might be, like, the two weakest positions in the draft, and they're the two positions the Cowboys need most. Yeah, Josh, I, I, I uh, you know, the, the thing too, it's safety. I feel like they've put a bandaid on, right. which is what they do, you know, and that's fine. I just thought the Jordan Lewis thing was a little early. I, I was kind of like, why couldn't you just wait? Why couldn't you wait a little longer and see what the value is? But I, you know, well, maybe we I, saw Bill Belichick making all these moves. <laughs> okay, yeah, you yeah. don't want to lose Jordan Lewis. You don't. I'm I mean, just, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, no, I think I, I think it's exactly what John said. It's about it's about the known. It's about um, you know securing up your guy before the market gets too crazy. Um, you lose out on a lot of these people. People are overpaying for guys, um, and also Jordan Lewis. I don't know. Maybe they do move him down the pecking order, but also maybe they they want to give him more playing time. He's never really, I don't know played yeah. very much maybe they they think if they give him more of an opportunity that he can um, prove himself maybe even if, if that's in the preseason or at camp or whatever it is um so maybe they give him a better look and give him a, a fair shot this time around anybody on the defensive line do anything for you guys any terrell bashams any brent urbans or who am i forgetting here carlos watkins that, that doing anything for you you know Bringing is back it, antoine woods yeah, this go. is this is kind of the whole thing like it's okay to like a signing and not be like this signing fixes everything and not be like, this is definitely going to work because I actually, the Brent urban signing, I actually like that's again, another position. This team hasn't invested in much. The one technique defensive tackle, a pure run stopper. Usually they go, Nope, not going to happen. Nope. Can't, can't put pressure on the quarterback. Look, Brent Urban's not going to do that. Brent Urban is not going to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, but he is going to stand in there and take up double teams and things like that. And that's where I kind of go, okay, 
There's another thing that's a little different. It's it's a very slow progression here, but they are moving more more out of their old ways, I guess, is what I would say. It was kind of interesting that Brent Urban, for anybody that doesn't know, because I, I don't know that many people would be familiar with his work yeah, to a, 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 a really deep extent, but uh, they certainly, the locker room has gotten taller. I mean, Urban's 6'7", J. Ron Curse is 6'4". Uh, you know, I, I just think you're going to hear, and McCarthy touched on a little bit yesterday on Thursday, but like, you're going to hear a lot about length and size and things like that. It's going to go right back to what you were hearing from Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard. Like that's what they're looking for on the back end, you know, long guys, tall guys, things like that, big athletes. And it goes back to your point, Kevin, that those really don't. I think that might be one of the first times I've ever called you Kevin in that KT. Hey, anyway, right. I think that goes back to the point Kev. of, uh, <laughs> That doesn't really match with Jordan Lewis, though. No, it, it doesn't. And another thing I'll throw out to, like, the uh, the big defensive tackle, I mean, I know they drafted Vic Beasley high, but the the when I think of the Falcons over the years on the defensive line, I think of Grady Jarrett, who was their What second. about Tack McKinley? Oh, yeah, Tack, of course. Uh, but, but Grady Jarrett was the all-pro guy, at least, yeah. or has a couple of all-pro seasons. He hasn't been uh, incredibly consistent. But and that might have been 2014 or 2015, or maybe it was 2016. Grady Jarrett's short. So, like, you know, I was sitting there going, like, okay, what are the, what are they trying to do here? And I thought about, you know, Tat McKinley. Tat McKinley's, I think, 6'4 guy off the top of my head here. Vic Beasley was a little taller guy. Um, so, I don't I don't know. Like, and Dan Quinn came up as a, you know, you know defensive line coach. So, that's kind of his sweet spot. And that's the one thing that did enter my head was, Okay, hopefully it's not a, like a Rod Marinelli situation where the kids brings up this point all the time on this podcast of like, hey, he loves having the orphans. He loves having the guys and we'll just coach him up. Like, no, dude, if there's a defensive tackle that you like, you should go ahead and pick the guy or sign the guy. And that's where the guys like Puna Ford being free. And Puna Ford got a decent contract. But Ger- uh, Gerard Reed of Seattle being cut loose, I'm like, can we pounce on something? I- like, I'll yeah. give I'll give Namakan Sue a call. Like, I yeah. Like I, I want that guy in here. It never seems like they value the defensive line as a as a position that they need superior ability. Yeah, you know, like they just need a guy who is consistently out there. <laughs> like that's all they kind of have paid for. Uh, you know, maybe I don't even know. They, when they spend money, they spend money on sacks. You know, they don't really spend money on the defensive line. And and what do you guys think about you know speaking of this, the departure slash retirement of of Tyron Crawford and, um, you know, them letting go of Alden Smith and just kind of that ending. Well, I I would say with Tyron Crawford, it's just not a huge surprise just from being in the locker room in 2019 and just how much pain he was in with his hips and then having to get surgery on both hips. You could just tell the end was probably not that far away for him. So he played last season and I imagine he was probably in quite a bit of pain again. And that's why, you know, Mike McCarthy said at the end of the year in their exit interviews, you know, that's when Crawford told him, Hey, I'm done. I'm not going to be playing anymore. But even if you didn't, I mean, we didn't have that information until yesterday, but even without that information, I I felt like the signings of Watkins and urban and Basham, like kind of put the writing on the wall that they were going to be going another direction there. And then with Alden Smith, I just, I, I don't know that, well, first, I mean, obviously his play dropped off as the season went along and he's obviously in his thirties. And then the fact that there, there's always going to be the off the field concerns there. Uh, you know, even though he was able to play all 16 games and stayed healthy last year, but, um, 
I don't know. I was always kind of hesitant that he was going to come back. So that really wasn't a huge surprise to me. Actually, the bigger surprise was Mike McCarthy saying on Thursday that he hasn't closed the door on Alden Smith mm-hmm. and that there are still talks about bringing back Alden Smith and even talked about the different ways that he can be used in this more multiple Dan Quinn defense. It's not going to be just the same. It's not going to be a 4-3 going right back to Rod Marinelli. He continues to say it's going to be multiple so that they can draft the best players and it'll be players over scheme. All the stuff that we heard last year, they're saying again this year, which for all the bad things that happened last year and how much Cowboy fans want to forget last year. The best thing was the draft. So if they do draft best player available, and that's the goal going into this one, well, if you can get the same draft as last year, just maybe with more impact on defense, that's probably a pretty good thing. Uh, and I just want to touch on KT saying about the the not, you know, you don't want to go the Rod Marinelli, you know, going with the orphans and stuff. I mean, like you mentioned, obviously, okay, so fifth round pick for, it was a fifth round pick for, Oh, let's see here. Hold on. Grady Jarrett in 2015. But in 2015, they used their one on Vic Beasley. And then in 2017, they used their one on Tack McKinley. So for, you know, two times in three years, using your first round picks on, on edge rushers. I don't think that he, I don't think that Dan Quinn is going to be saying, yeah, just give me orphans. I'll coach him up. I think he's going to want players out there. Now yeah. he has one in Demarcus Lawrence and, and we'll see what they have in Randy Gregory, but there's nothing they've done at edge rusher, that makes me think they're completely set there. They're in position to be drafting one relatively early. They could draft one. I don't think they, they're not going to take one at 10 because just there isn't a guy that really makes sense there. But, you know, four picks in the top 99, I could see an edge rusher somewhere in there. Absolutely. The other Basham guy's a name I kind of liked in in that maybe second round range. Uh, Boogie Basham. The Basham brothers, guys. Yeah, we get the Basham brothers. Maybe we get them on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We got uh, the Basham brothers. Get them on the pod. Brothers. Get the Bash brothers and the Basham brothers together. And Kent. And it's like. And, and Kent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, hey, look at these five guys, starting five right here. <laughs> Take on the Monstars. Let's go. Um, the Flying V. You know what? They were, I'll be quick on Tyron Crawford because I think, like, to me, definition of solid. The one thing that I, uh, over the years, you know, we've all uh, worked with Brian Broadus a little bit, uh, former Cowboys scout and now radio host. And I, you know, we, um, and former DallasCowboys.com employee as well. Uh, but with Broadus, he'd always said, you know, the thing about Tyron Crawford is they, once they paid him like a superstar and everyone found out how much money he made, you know, everyone kind of started mouthing off. No one had a bad word to say about Tyron Crawford until, you know, they paid him like a star before he was a star. Uh, and he really never really ended up being a star, you know? Um, and that's that's the thing with, like, he was just a really solid dude, a guy who they moved around all the time. I mean, his versatility helped them so much in, I remember in so when, many um, ways. I remember when Jason Hatcher left in, like, his exit interview, like, one of the last things he said was, like, watch out for this Tyrone Crawford guy. He's going to be an all-pro. And, like, I think the the love for his potential in the locker room was, like, the Cowboys were like, oh, we need to lock this guy up now before he's an all-pro and we can't afford him and he's going to go out and, you know, do something else. And that and then, then he got paid. I remember at Valley Ranch, yeah. us interviewing Tyrone, like, why'd you take this deal? Why didn't you bet on yourself? And you could tell, like, it, like, it was, like, dawned on him. That was the first time he ever thought about, like, the possibility of betting on himself and making more money. And then he was just, like... Well, you got to talk to my agent about that. Like he did the deal, you know, like he could have made more if he had played well and hit free agency. But yeah, it was, it was again, what we were talking about. It's, it's about, you know, what you know. 
and they felt good about Tyrone Crawford. Yeah, that didn't pan out maybe in the long run like they thought it would. But, you know, you can't blame Tyrone Crawford for, for getting that contract. It's not his fault. No, nah, not his fault at all. And, and look, another thing I'll say, and I, you know, Tyrone Crawford uh, is is uh, really good friends with uh, with Travis Frederick, I believe, too, still. I mean, I, I pretty much everyone's friends with Travis, right? But, like, uh, they, they had a pretty good relationship, too. And I wonder if part of it's going, man, my hips – my hips suck. Let's be honest. Why? Why go through this? I've made enough money. I've lived a good life. Here we go. You know, let's let's move it on down the road. You know, I know those guys want to play. I know those guys want rings and things like that. But you know, at some point, when you start talking about injuries like that, and hips are one of them, you just kind of go, "Man, I'm I'm glad you got out, man, because you don't need to have trouble walking thirty years from now if you can help it." <laughs> you know. Assuming, oh, he, you know, we're still going <laughs> then. <laughs> oh, he's had more uh, than just that, though. He's had shoulders. I think yeah. he's had back. Uh, he's had tons of uh, different, you know, surgeries. I, I don't know. In a way, kind of, comp- I compare him a little bit like to Brandon Carr, where it was like, well, to keep the guy, you're going to have to pay him, you know, or, or in Brandon Carr's case, to sign him as a free agent, you know, in 2012, you're going to have to pay him. And so obviously the guy, they weren't busts. But because you see the big number connected with their name, mm-hmm. you're expecting, oh, well, this is going to be a Cowboys Pro Bowler then if they're investing this. And, you know, there can there can be something between being just a, a really good, solid starter and, and, and being a Pro Bowler. But, you know, they would probably, the Cowboys probably point to, that's why they don't like being that active in free agency because you are tending to overpay guys. You know, that Stephen Jones said that a lot over the years. And so, yeah, I don't, I think, I think Tyrone Crawford's had a solid career. Um, and then I think he's probably taking a little bit too much heat just because of, of like KT said, the contract. Now let's talk about, uh, yesterday's Mike McCarthy, uh, press conference. We finally got some media availability from the old ball coach. Wait, no, that's Steve Spurrier. Um, I don't know what Mike McCarthy's nickname is. Uh, I think Big Mac's too easy, right? So, uh, so McCarthy, I think there, there was a moment that was very interesting, and by the way, John wrote an article. If you want to get into it in full, if you couldn't catch the press conference, John has an article up at the Athletic with you know twenty notes on it. Uh, should I read this uh, transcription here, John? Yeah, yeah, uh, go for it. Yeah, okay. Just uh, just to be safe. So this is um, I'm just going to kind of read what you wrote here. This is a little bonus edition for those who haven't read the article yet, right? Um, about 18 minutes into the news conference, McCarthy was asked by a reporter about defensive players saying off the record that they weren't graded as much last season as in previous seasons. McCarthy denied that claim during a lengthy response. The reporter then followed up, so assignment, alignment, effort, all that was graded last year? And McCarthy said, absolutely, every play of every practice, every play of every game. It's nonsense to think that it wasn't. That's what coaches do. And the reporter said, I was told differently, so I wanted to give you the opportunity to address that. And McCarthy said, well, I kindly disagree 100% about your opinion. And then the reporter said, fair enough, but it's not an opinion. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to address that. And then he said, well done. It's how how, did, how, did, Mike McCar- how, did, he, how did Mike McCarthy become Colonel Sanders? I don't know what happened there. I, I still, it's hard to get a good McCarthy. The only, the only uh, thing that I could do for, on McCarthy is... Uh, I wanted the job the day at the press conference that made Stephen Jones laugh so hard. Uh, is when he's talking, we talked about lying to lying about <laughs> watching every game, and he said, oh, "I lied because I wanted the job." But I thought that was interesting. Like it was, um, so th- he's got these tendencies to occasionally. It doesn't happen often, 
And I want to give him credit because that beard he was rocking was pretty badass yesterday. But on occasion, when he gets challenged on something, he immediately bows up. And I saw this, you know, in Green Bay when he was asked about adding Kaepernick to the quarterback room. And the first thing he did was say, I've won a Super Bowl. I've won a lot of games. I'd like to think I know what I'm doing here. And it's like, well, we were just asking about the free agent. Like, and I I sensed, and I heard this too, I sensed a little bit of a bow up. Uh, and I don't know. I, 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 I Was he offended by the question? I don't I think, know. No, I think it was the, uh, you know, and this is the first time that we had talked to him since the season had ended. It's the first time we've talked to him in person since the combine in the, in the previous February, so 13 months ago. So it's been a while, to, especially to be in that environment. And most questions were, you know, there's a lot of reporters that were in there trying to ask a question. And so occasionally you get like one follow up. And so I think he was probably getting a little frustrated because there ended up being more than what he was thinking. And so there was multiple follow ups. And so I think there was probably some frustration there. Um, and then I agree with you, too. Yeah, I mean, he's he obviously going to get defensive about or he, I shouldn't say obviously not everybody would, but it seems like that's a little bit like his personality to get a little bit defensive about that stuff. And you mentioned Super Bowl. I mean. He mentions that Super Bowl quite often. He did again, you know, yesterday. Um, he was pretty defensive about, you know, the team underperforming last year. And when I say defensive, I meant like, I don't know, I just felt like there were a little bit more excuses than I was expecting. A lot of, you know, going back to the COVID, going back to injuries and things like that. Then, and that's fine. I'm not saying he's the only coach that would have been that way, but there are a lot of coaches that would have just been like, those aren't excuses. We have to we have to get better. The the, the roster depth has to get better. So yeah. if we have those same exact injuries this year, we're better prepared. You know, I mean, you can bring up examples of, you know, first year head coaches in pandemics that, you know, like the one in Washington that obviously things didn't go as poorly and, and, and they ha- dealt with their own, uh, you know, set of issues over there. So uh, those are just a couple of things that stood out to me, though, about it, just because, like I said, it's the first time we got a chance to talk to him since the season's over. So um yeah, check out that article, though. So I broke it down into 20 different parts so that it's a quick read, but it lets you hit on kind of everything yeah. and that that happened. It was like about a 45-minute session. So yeah. if you didn't get to listen to it, just check that out because it kind of just breaks them each down. And like that that exchange right there that that KT just read it is one of them in there. It's kind of interesting to, to listen to Mike McCarthy. I mean, I'm still kind of getting used to him at press conferences, you know. Because he's not as formal as as Jason Garrett, where Jason Garrett wouldn't have, I don't know, I guess he would have said the right thing in that situation, maybe, or or the most formal thing where, yeah, exactly. Uh, if, if injuries happen again, we're going to be prepared, we've learned, we, you know, uh, it's on me, all that kind of stuff. But McCarthy isn't like a totally a, like a Bill Parcells, you know, where he's just totally... I'm saying what I want and this is who I am. It's kind of an in-between where he's trying right. to say the right thing, but it's right. just not right sometimes. And I, I kind of feel bad for the guy for getting caught in those situations. But um, but yeah, I'm just still kind of getting used to reading Mike McCarthy in press conferences. Maybe I need to go back and watch some some Green Bay and just kind of see how he interacts with the media. But it's been very confusing for me to to absorb it from the outside. Yeah, he's certainly been guarded in, in the way he responds to things. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he'll occasionally throw a joke or two in there with have a sarcastic remark to kind of like lighten things up that so it's not so like rigid and, and kind of like a boring press conference and, and things like that. But at the same time, 
He really doesn't want to give you too much behind the scenes. He 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 really wants to kind of just stay on the surface. It, it, I just, it, um, I guess the way to kind of describe it is, I just feel like he goes into these with like some talking points, and it's like I'm going to hit on these, and I'm not going to deviate, <clears throat> excuse me, too far from those, as opposed to just like being a hundred percent at ease and just kind of shooting from the hip. That yep. maybe that's just how he's always been, but. I I, I, may, I bring those things up because there's a part of me that thinks like a guy that's been head coach as long as he has, like he wouldn't care what anybody asks him. He wouldn't have a problem with anything because he's hurt at all. But every coach is different, you know? Right. Well, yeah. And it's still like the, it's going to be weird until we're back to normal and hopefully we're trending that way. Uh, but I, it's just such a different dynamic than what he dealt with in Green Bay. Uh, like he's probably – he was – Think, imagine going to Green Bay where you're kind of just the spokesperson in the face all the time, and then you come here and you're like, well, Jerry and Steve are going to talk a lot too. I mean, you've probably been gassed up about what it's like coaching the Cowboys so much that you have to be careful at all times, you know? I mean, I, I'm going to give an example. When I went to 97-1, the Eagle, you know, before uh, our show had even gone gone on the air, but I was working there for about a month, you know, like just behind the scenes and kind of getting stuff ready for our show. They're talking the Russ Martin show, like, you know, don't talk to those guys and you know, stay out, you know, stay out of the... It turns out, you know, hey, they're all nice guys and they're fine to interact with. But, you know, I went about a month walking on eggshells and like staying out of their studio because there was this like aura, like, oh, you can't... You can't go in there, you know. It's like no, you actually can go in their studio if you need to do something. Like it's a, it's probably a little bit of that type of thing where it's just like you know, hey, let me get comfortable here before we start fully opening up. Let's just, okay, let me give you how about start winning. That's well. Let me give too. you one. Let well, me give you one yeah. thing that I took from that 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 hits right on that for me personally uh, that I just kind of thought about was you know one thing that's not in the article was when he was asked about going to Oxnard for training camp. And he talked about how like, well, everything that I've heard from everybody is it's like the greatest place, you know, like, you know, your the weather's great every day and you're close to the beach. And uh, he never got a chance to go out there yet because he was scheduled to go out uh, about a year ago around this time. And then COVID hit. So he didn't end up making the trip to check out the facilities and that. And obviously they ended up holding training camp in Dallas. And so he pointed out about how like the one con- one of the concerns is that, you know, there's dew on the grass because they're just, that's just how it is early in the morning out in Oxnard. And he's like, I don't know that you want to be practicing on that at like seven or eight in the morning, like we do or, or did this previous year at, at training camp in, in Frisco. And so when he said that, I just like, kind of like laughed to myself because I was like, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry doesn't care about the dew on the grass. Like he doesn't really even like, he wants the team prepared, but he also wants fans to be at these, at these, you know, training camp practices. He wants the media to be out there. He wants the team out in California. He wants his brand out in California. Like he's had it out there to continue growing this fan base. That's bigger than just Texas. Like the do on the grass ain't going to matter to Jerry. And while (laughs) that stuff, why we laugh about it, a guy coming from green Bay, that stuff was probably, was all line one. Like whatever is going to be best for the team. If if we practice at eight o'clock in the morning, the guys will be fresher for the rest of the day. They'll like it better. It'll, it'll just go smoother throughout training camp. Maybe even keeps guys healthier. Obviously, last year, uh, health didn't work out well for the Cowboys. But I just, when he was saying that, I'm like, yeah, that might make sense on paper. But that's not how it rolls around here. Like, when Jerry wasn't even asked about Oxnard at Dak's press conference, he was asked about, I think, something Dak-related and just offered up that it was going to be a full AT&T stadium this season, that training camp was going back to Oxnard. At that very moment, I knew 
training camp was going back to Oxnard. Yeah, you wonder how uh, Mike McCarthy's first year has gone for him. Like, you wonder how he actually feels about kind of the the workflow and stuff. And, you know, I, I kind of rewind back to last year around this time, maybe, I don't know, a couple months after he got the job. And he's being asked t- to jump on a, a Zoom interview with Jamie Foxx during the first round of the draft. <laughs> I bet he's just like, what, what is, what is this? And he's like, don't worry, Jerry, Jerry personally asked me to do this. So that's what I'm going to do. He's like, what is going on guys? He had you to know, be prepped before that though. He yeah. Had to but like, heads up days before. It's so Dude, it's the first round of the freaking draft. Like, and he's not in, the, he's like talking to Jamie Foxx on a freaking like, interview. I'm serious, like, dude. Like in Green Bay, like they have like the Steve Miller band every once in a while. And that's a big deal. Right. Like it's just, it's way different. Like, like, wait, this, like, I didn't even have to even interact with the Steve Miller band. It's just everyone here thought it was a big deal. Jamie Foxx? <laughs> During the draft. I, I guess I just... While on the clock. Could 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 have been on the clock. It was like no, Jamie. they wouldn't have done it on the clock. But I just feel like that's part of... You got to know that when you're coming to the Cowboys, that it's not going to be the same. I know, yeah. but I'm just wondering, like, what he's actually thinking. I, I, that amuses me to think about, um, you know, if he's loving it, hating it, um, you know, gotten himself in over his head, thinks he's the man. I don't know. You know. He thinks he's the man. Trust me. Yeah. And he well, might be. He might hey, be. Oh, we'll see. Let's go for it. You got a quarterback two. now. You know? Yeah, you got your quarterback. That helps the, that helps the whole thing. And I and something I always, um Yeah, something else that stuck out to me though about about the press conference was kind of towards the beginning, John, where he said, you know, this team's gonna build through the draft and that's gonna still be our main way of improving. And I love that. Um, you know, I was worried about that when he came in, how how that would change from Garrett to to McCarthy and Will McClay's influence on the whole situation. And and they've had the most success over the years, acquiring through the draft, building through the draft. And it's just good to see them, I guess, not overspend in free agency and McCarthy emphasize, we're going into this draft looking to actually improve this football team and get guys that can contribute now to success. And uh, of course, long-term, but I love that. Well, I feel like, and I feel like, I feel like that was probably discussed at, at the table yeah. uh, when they were having a few cocktails uh, before the deal was agreed upon that he was going to come to the cow or before Jerry officially made the offer to him. Um, you know, Will McClay is here and he's here for the long run. And he was there during that sit down. And that if, if that's what Will is saying, that this is how we want to continue building the team. And Mike's on board with that. I'm sure that was discussed way in advance of him even agreeing to become the Cowboys next head coach. So <clears throat> I'm sure that that was, you know, something that was already factored in. Hey, we probably aren't going to be spending too much in free agent. Not that the Packers do that either, but I think it was going to be, hey, what the way we conti- we plan on going forward is what we've been doing recently, and that's going to be the majority is through this draft. And, yeah, I don't see why that that would change, and especially in this no, year. it's just, just encouraging. It's encouraging. Right, right. Yeah. And especially in this year, just because they have a top 10 pick and they have 10 picks. So yeah. um, there should be a lot of, you know, when I did that, projection KT mentioned earlier of what could be the week one starting lineup. The only rookie I had in there was Patrick Sertan, but I could easily see them coming out of this draft with, with more than one starter uh, on defense. So they better. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't know who that would be. A, uh, you know, defensive tackle is a spot, you know, obviously uh, they could draft. I mean, they take, let's say Richie Grant fell them in the second round, you know, that, you know, or they package some picks and move up a little bit in the second round to get Richie Grant. Like, 
I don't think they're taking him early in the second for him to be, uh, well, we really like what he does in special teams and maybe he'll be the guy in two years. Like, I think he's getting thrown to the wolves. So, uh, yeah, this draft is going to be fascinating. I, I think that coming off the heels of what they did in last year's draft, now that they're drafting even higher, I, I, th- there should be, that should be the thing that Cowboys fans should be. Now that Dak's contract is done, that's the thing they should be most excited about. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. KT, are you, um, what do you think about Caleb Farley? Yeah, I mean, the Caleb Farley injury really drops him, you know, uh, pretty far. I mean, Caleb Farley was a guy who I think the Cowboys would have had on the radar at 10. Although I do think they like Patrick Sertan from Alabama a little more than Farley, but you know, I actually liked Farley's tape a little more, uh, but this back thing is is troubling. I, I've dropped Caleb Farley, you know, all the way down to cornerback. Let's see, one, two. I'm doing some counting here: three, four, five, six. About cornerback seven or eight. You know, Good grief. so but I still think you know uh, an example I do have on guys who have gotten injured and still teams pull the trigger in the second round. Jalen Smith, obviously, right? Um, do you guys remember Sidney Jones of the the Eagles oh, yeah. drafted? Pick forty three. Yeah, to Washington. Uh, that was pick forty three. You know, he tore an Achilles, but the Eagles still took him pick forty three, knowing that he would redshirt most of his first year. Uh, I was thinking about Reggie Raglan, the old Alabama linebacker who Buffalo ended up popping in the second round. He he had a heart thing. Um, you know, I think Farley. I think Farley still gets drafted in the second round. Uh, maybe there's a chance he goes late first round um, because the talent is is really, really you get good. Patrick Sertan well, and Caleb Farley. Well, no, I was going to say, hold on real quick. You said, you said you got him down at your seventh or eighth corner. Yeah. 
Okay, seventh or eighth to me, because I don't see more than five going in the first round. Seven or eight to me is like early to mid-second round. 44. If they were to take Rashawn Slater at 10, because let's say Sertan was gone, and then they came back and got Caleb Farley at 44, I would be just fine with them taking, with the back concerns and everything. If they took Farley at, at 44, I would be just fine with that. Yeah, I, I would too. I'd be thrilled. In fact, I'd be excited, and I think yeah. it would more than make up for – the segment of Cowboys fans that are going to eye roll over Rashawn Slater. Uh, Rashawn Slater's incredible. And, you know, there's some Zach Martin to Rashawn Slater. And I, you know, I wouldn't throw that out there and ruin the kid's career by saying that. But, like, come on, like, like the, he is a very, very, very good player. And, you know, I'll, I wouldn't say Zach Martin about a lot of guys, but he is so good. <laughs> well, I just so like to, I like to, it's coming off the heels of that Patrick Sertan Pro Day. And the rave reviews he got, which aren't a surprise because generally most pro days go that way. Your your stock is usually going to seem a little bit higher after that. Um, and he, but he ran well. And now it just seems like, I mean, Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn were both at that Alabama yeah. pro day on Tuesday. And it just seems like everything's heading in that direction. So I like to try and think of like, okay, so what if another team moves in front of the Cowboys to take Sertan? What's the backup plan? Yeah. You know? And to me, you know, the only way that I don't think they get Sertan or let's say Slater or, or Penny Sewell, uh, who I think will go higher than that, but would be if like all of a sudden the receivers aren't going in the top 10, like everybody thought they would, the quarterbacks will go yeah, and then you'll, you'll get pits in there. You'll get probably get Sewell in there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're like, well, we need two or three of these receivers to go so that it pushes some players you're back. And if all seven of a sudden one of them, Smith and Jamar right. Chase are both on the board. Yeah. yeah Waddle. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, I think that's possible. Because, right. you know, Pitts... Yeah, look at last year's draft. And given that Pitts is a tight end, I think it's very possible Pitts gets taken over these wide receivers. Yeah, for sure. And then that's so it's like very rarely does a tight end push wide receivers down. So I, I do think... I was trying to kind of formulate in my head what I think the Cowboys board would be and some of these like realistic players who could fall to them. And I do think... And I can, I'm just guessing. And I, you know, but I think it would be Sewell... The tackle from Oregon, I think they would like him first. And then I think Sertan. And then I think Slater. And then I think if all those guys were happen to be gone, I think Kyle Pitts would have to be the next guy. Because I'm just saying that would be the highest graded player. And I don't think Kyle Pitts gets there. I think Philadelphia at six is Yeah. Just, no, he's just not gonna so he's perfect. not gonna get there. But but it it's it's you know, it's possible, you know. It's yeah. a, a, with the and who knows, maybe four quarterbacks don't go in the top ten. I still that think they do. I, I feel like they do. It's interesting, like you know, what Denver's done at nine with signing Ronald Darby, signing Kyle Fuller. So all of a sudden, cornerback is not some dire need there. And it would be crazy if Vic Fangio drafted a cornerback. But all of a sudden, not some crazy need. So maybe Denver tries to get out. And there's teams kind of doing what Atlanta did to Dallas a few years ago for Tack McKinley. We've got to trade up ahead of Dallas to get a to get Patrick Sertan at nine. Right. So I I think everyone needs to open their eyes now. You're hearing a lot about J.C. Horn as the son of former Saints wide receiver Joe Horn, the South Carolina you know cornerback. You know I like J.C. Horn fine. I just think pick ten's a little. It's a little early. I mean I I I have him as my uh, one two three. Four, five, he's like my seventeenth graded player, right? Um, and Sertan's like you know. 10. But I, but you have to like him more than you would like them adding Gregory Rousseau or Quiddy Pay. Absolutely. The only, the, the only defensive 
linemen I would prefer them take over J.C. Horn. O- oh, Ojo- are you about to go? Are you about to go defensive tackle? You can talk me into Barmore. Okay. And I wouldn't love it. I would still want to trade down. I think 10's early for Christian Barmore. But So I asked so I asked McCarthy yesterday about upside, man. how they pick their pro days. You know, like who goes to what pro days and stuff like that. Because, you know, this year's different. They, you know, there's not the combine, there's not the, the the visits and stuff like that. So it seems like there'd be more weight put on the pro days. And he said, Yeah, you could make those connections for sure. You know, and obviously being at Alabama, um, I was just kind of like, he, but he did say though, but don't, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what we're doing. Like the pro days I go sure. to doesn't necessarily, mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what we're doing at 10, but I, I think you can read into those a little bit. And so, yeah. I, I mean, Hey, he's obviously they're at Alabama cause of Sertan, but you know, Alabama doesn't just have one good player. No, 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 exactly. Christian Barmore is a guy who would be thought of higher if he had a little more production. And man, the, the second half of his season this year was incredible. So like, I yeah, think, I think he was MVP of the national championship game or defensive MVP. Yeah. So I think he was. Yeah, I think we're talking about a guy, you know, it's a phrase that I think is used in the draft world, maybe too much, but like uh, his best football is in front of him. Well, a lot of these guys, best football is in front of them, but like truly you can actually see where like this guy's consistently gotten better. Like, and that's where you kind of go, okay. And like Leighton Vanderesh kind of did the same thing, you know. Uh, and by the way, let's end on this. Fifth year option for Leighton Vanderesh. Do you pick that up or no? I mean, I, I'm on the fence right now. I could see them going either way, but I'm going to lean towards no. Just because of injury. I mean, if he can stay healthy, yeah. I mean, but they're going to know his injury stuff way better than we are. I mean, but those have to be concerns at any position, but certainly at linebacker and certainly on a team that has dealt with, you know, every year, it seems like you don't know throughout Sean Lee's prime, if you're going to have him or not. And so that has to be a concern there. And because of that, I could see them being a little bit cautious, but um, again, like linebacker is something you got to keep an eye on in the draft too, because that could change real quick because all of a sudden Jalen Smith could be gone next year. Leighton Vander Esch could be gone. You know, there's no guarantee Keanu Neal's coming back. So, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to put Micah Parsons on your plate at, at 10, but I'm just saying, like, don't yeah. count out linebackers somewhere in that top 99 either. Well, and, and, and the fifth-year option thing, it, it's a safe way to protect a guy, but it is a gamble because it is the guaranteed money and the raise that you're giving him. Um, I'm trying to find the tags. I, I should have had this prepared. I'm sorry. Um, because, you know, that that's going to matter to this team. If the linebacker price is, you know, a little more than what they're willing to go, then, you know, that's a, that's a, like, that's an interesting thing, but I, I don't know what the tags are and I'm a jerk for not knowing. I'm, I'm, I'm well, really I think it, it, it all depends on how they view, you know, linebacker long-term, you know, you, you pick up the fifth year. It's like, he's still going to be your guy for that fifth year. You know, do Was you reset the position or not? 9.1 million for that fifth year. Mm. Yeah. I, I believe so. I, I, that's I think the base salary. I think it's that's right the under, would be. under 10 million. And don't they give yeah. them more if they've like due to pro bowls and stuff to throw that in there too? Oh, that could, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've cha- I mean, they've changed this so much. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I do think it's like under $10 million and there's a part of me that goes, okay, with the cap going up next year, like go ahead and just do it and save yourself in case he is healthy. And then you like want another year of him at cheap because Let's say it just because you don't give him the fifth year option doesn't necessarily mean you lose him. It just means he hits the open market. 
And what if he bowls out and then he wants, you know, 16 million on the open market? I mean, and then you're like, well, I don't think I really want to do that still because of your injury history, but I'll take the, it's just, it's just a, another way of doing the franchise. But you tag. have to protect yourself either way in this draft by, by taking a linebacker. You need, you need a, you need to find another yeah. Anthony Hitchens. You need to find somebody like that, you know, like that doesn't necessarily have to be in the first couple of rounds, but a guy that you can turn to as a starter, uh, yeah. for the next, you know, four years, if things don't work out with these linebackers, because it could be changing quick. So my number one linebacker is Jeremiah Osu koromoa from Notre Dame, but right. you know he would play the Keanu Neal role. Yeah, you know, so I think that's out of the question. The, the name that we're probably need to throw into the conversation more, and I've been doing a bad job of throwing him into the conversation because I don't want him at ten. He's a freak athlete, can kind of do everything, but there's some questions about him, and he doesn't always hit his right run fits and things like that that really bother me. But Micah Parsons from Penn State needs to be talked right. about more at 10 because they could absolutely fall in love with him. Um, but it just seems like you wouldn't do that since they kept Jalen aboard. And, you know, they, they haven't really played their hand there at linebacker yet. No. And, I, and I'm a big fan of linebackers on day three. I, I, I think you can get good, effective guys in the, in the fourth round. Uh, or maybe you'll say third, late third round, too. That's fine. I, I think you can get some effective players. You can step in and play immediately, too. Just me, yeah. though. I think Damian uh, Wilson was a fourth. Yeah, yeah. Hitchens and Hitchens and, and Wilson were both fourth rounders. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you're probably not going to find, you know, Bobby Wagner in the fourth round, but I think you can find guys that are solid that you don't have to pay a lot to that can be starters for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else we need to hit, Kent? Um, no, we'll uh, keep our one? ear to the gr- keep our ear to the ground on this free agency thing, and uh, we'll be back next week to talk draft and uh, get ready for that. If nothing else, yeah, it'll be fun. We're getting uh, we're getting really close to this thing, and you know, got the quarterback back, so everything's everything's and we're trending in the in the right direction here. So, I uh, hope everyone has a uh, beautiful weekend or a beautiful week whenever you choose to listen to this podcast. Keep following the athletic. Uh, please subscribe. Tell a friend. This is my challenge to you. Is to text a friend. Maybe it's a maybe it's a family member. Hey man, check out this deal. The athletic. You should just you know you should subscribe. This is really good content. That's my challenge. And Dollar a month. Screen, screenshot that text and then you know, tweet it to me at KT Fun Tweets and we'll, you know I don't know if shout I can you out. Any, yeah, it's just shout out. It's not really worth much, but uh, it'll be fun either way. So, uh, everyone take care of yourselves. Be safe out there. Uh, Keep following The Athletic. Levi's got great stuff with the Rangers opening day next week. Yeah, that's coming. So, also the Prospects to Pros podcast, a good thing to listen to this time of year as well. For our producer, Kit Garrison, for Father John Machota, I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll see you next time on another episode of About Them Cowboys.